Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man that says that if your parents were rich and they didn't buy you a horse, then they didn't love you. It's Dale. Well, son of a bitch. <laughs> I ain't never getting no horse. You didn't get a horse? <laughs> no. What the hell? I yeah. gotta make some phone calls. Yeah. You don't have to have a little intervention or something. Yeah. How many horses did you have? I didn't have any. My parents weren't rich. Oh. Yeah. Maybe it's making no damn Yeah, I didn't get no horse. <laughs> yeah, I just had to look at everybody else's horses. <laughs> What's but, going on, bud? Oh, go oh, nothing much. Got any good shout outs for us today? Yeah, I'm shouting from the rooftops. Oh, from the top of the highest mountain. Yeah, yeah. You know what I do? We got a few for us. I would like to give a big thank you to uh, Kathy Brown for the fantastic Facebook recommendations. Thank you, Kathy Brown. Up there in Canada. 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 Canada? Yeah. Okay. Shout out to Joe Holler. You get that. That's my boy from Canada. All right. He's a Nova Scotia guy, though. All right. And I like Kathy. And uh, a couple more. We're like, we always give them, seems like we uh, lean toward Instagram more. There's a couple of Facebook friends I want to give a shout out to, and that's Mr. Bill Smith. He's always popping in, liking comments and pictures and stuff. And so is our friend Liz Snyder. All right. We, we appreciate you popping in on our socials and giving us some likes and some little thumbs ups and some happiness. Yep. It's all good, man. And, uh, man, just want to say thanks to all you guys for really kicking butt over the last last month. Man, that just blows my mind. Well, put us over the top for downloads. Yeah. Best month ever. For a short month, it was the best month ever. Yep. And it just it just seems to be growing every month, Dale. Yeah, oh, that's crazy. Isn't it? Yep. Well, we really, really, really appreciate you guys. Yep. And we want to put a little plug here to remind everybody to check out our store page. Yeah. Check out the merch. Check out the T-shirts. We got some cool shirts. We really do. Look around. Yep. I'm telling you. I looked at some other stuff today, and I was going, man, our stuff's really cool. Yeah. We got some good-looking shirts. <laughs> got some mugs and got some different things. Go in there and check it out. Get you a crack house shirt. Mug. Mug. For damn mug. Yep. And <laughs> also go to Apple Podcast and leave a five-star <clears throat> rating and review. Five-star. It really does help the cost. <laughs> It does. It helps us get found out. We want y'all to found us out. Yeah, we want to be found out. That's right. Yep, we want to be found. <laughs> all right, bud. Yeah, we want somebody to give some attention besides all you guys. You know, maybe Spotify put us up on a list or something. Nobody loves us but you guys. Yep. I guess that's really all we need to. We have a, we have a pretty hardcore fan base. Yes, we do. Yeah, and it seems to be growing all the time. Yeah, y'all kick butt. Yep. We love y'all very much. And good night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, we're going to get in our episode, bud. <laughs> All right, man. So much for the love and air. Yeah. It's fixing okay. to get dark quick. Yeah, you got serious there for a minute. All right, me and Dale made eye contact. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got a... Put that part up. Yeah. Put that our, damn partition back up. <laughs> our case this week, man, you know, we've covered serial killers before. and But this one, you know, we always say this one takes the cake or this yeah. one. But this one is by far the worst we've done so far. Yeah. Um, I think so. And just a little reminder, you know, if you get squeamish about talking about serial killers and what they've done and blood and gore and et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Then, usually we don't do too much disclaimer stuff because we pretty much know you're here for that. But I'm going to say we're going to give you one. This one. Yeah. This one is pretty <laughs> yeah, rough. So yeah. if this stuff bothers you, then this may not be for you. This made me say, damn. Yeah. <laughs> this dude. All righty. All right. But anyway, this is the case of richard trenton chase otherwise known as 
the vampire, vampire of Sacramento. Sacramento. How about yep. that? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Yeah. Now, Richard, he was born on May 23rd, 1950 in Santa Clara, California to parents Richard Chase Sr., who was a computer specialist. Yeah, on uh, the Air Force Base. Yep. And that was a pretty big deal for a computer specialist in 1950. Mm-hmm. And his mother, Beatrice, and she was a school teacher. Yes. And from all accounts, Richard, from the earliest years, seemed to be a pretty average boy. He's a Cub Scout. Yep. Right and, down your alley. Yeah. And, but, you know, nothing special, nothing, you know, really particular about him. He just seemed just average and normal. Yeah. Boy, that changes. Yep. When he was three years old, the family managed to afford a, a house, and they moved to a house in Sacramento. They'd been renting before, not like they'd been living in a tent or something. Yeah. Okay, yeah. They were yeah, they were renting, but they, they had bought a house in Sacramento. Right. Moving on up. Yep. Well, you'd think a computer specialist in, on the Air Force base was making some money, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, to be able to afford a house, yeah. I mean, hell, most people didn't know what a computer was in 1950. No, huh? They probably took a computer was probably as big as a house. Or bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Shortly after they moved into their house, I think the next year after that, Richard had a sister, Pamela, that was born. Yep. yep. But she was born in 1954. Yep. Now, like I said, Richard was a Cub Scout, and he also played four years of Little League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And seemed like he was well-liked by all of his teachers, and they thought he was a sweet child. And seemed to be pretty popular with his his buddies and his peers, and even with a lot of them coming to his birthday parties. Yeah, and I think he had one party where like had fifty people show up. Yeah, I mean hell, he's popular. Yeah, he was a very popular kid, well liked. And on the surface, you know, the Chase family was just like any other family. You know, building a life for themselves. You know, just not just a normal <laughs> family. Yeah, this is doing family stuff. But you know, but things at home were just a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Richard Senior, he had a drinking problem. Yep, and he was a tough disciplinarian. Right. He didn't. He and he didn't manage money too well. No. When Richard was only two years old, it was reported that he was force fed by his father. Yeah, I think he bowed up and said he wasn't going to eat. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't work out too good. No, for him. he was force fed to eat and until he vomited. Mm. That ain't cool. And Richard's sister Pamela would later recall confrontations between her brother and their father. That ended with his, their dad shaking Richard and even throwing him up against the wall. Mm. And the dad would allegedly and well also emotionally abuse and yell at Richard whenever you know he seemed to mess up. Right. Just over the top abuse. Yeah, that comes with that drinking problem. Yeah, it could have been. And then money troubles too. I guess there's probably a lot of arguing going on and blame getting put in the wrong place sometimes. Yeah, and uh, Richard. Richard's dad and uh, their mom would often fuss yep. right there in front of the kids. Yeah, that ain't cool. And Beatrice, she was had a tendency to accuse Richard of using drugs, but the dad. And uh, infidelity yeah. also. Yeah, there was one time that uh, she even accused of her husband of uh, cheating on him while they were in uh, on a camping trip in Oregon. Well, you know, I guess... Like he was cheating while they were on the trip, or yeah. she, she accused him while they were on the trip? No, he, she accused him of cheating while they were on the trip. Oh, shit. So, yeah, on a camping trip, so. And then slid out of his sleeping bag and run across the woods or something? Yeah, and got into another sleeping bag somewhere. <laughs> I guess. I, I guess, I, but, yeah. Okay. It, yeah, while they were on a camping trip, you know, she accused him of cheating. So, yeah, that wasn't good at all. So, you know, some kind of va- vacation they were on, it just 
didn't end well. Yeah. No. With Richard's parents, their preoccupation of their marriage going bad, they paid very little attention to Richard. Don't sound like he was paying attention to a lot of things. Yeah. And this is when his strange behaviors began to come out. Mm. By the time Richard was 10 years old, this was when he developed an interest in dead animals. He liked to kill and torture cats. So he was making them dead. He wasn't just yeah. interested in dead. Yeah. And this he, is bad. That's 10 years old. 10 years old. And he liked to kill and torture cats that he found around the neighborhood. And he seemed to be fascinated by their blood and their guts and the inside the way they worked. Yeah, there's your first major red flag. Yep. Mom, just another cat out here. And just a, uh, a little bit later report on Richard, it was determined that he had what they called a McDonald triad, which is three things. One of them is wetting the bed, setting, you know, small fires, setting things on fire, and cruelty to animals. Right. And instead, if, you know, if anybody exhibits at least two of these things, they have a serial tendencies violent tendencies you see it in a lot of serial killers yes especially the animal things but it was determined that he had all three of these Mm. so he was over the top on his on on his mcdonald or yeah yeah. and we're not talking about a happy meal either (laughs) no no No. now over the i guess over the next few years when i guess richard was about 12 his parents fighting got to a boiling point i guess yeah and even his mother saw went two different psychiatrists for emotional issues, I guess. Yeah. I guess a lot of fighting and uh, financial troubles. Maybe she's wigged out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And when Richard was 13, his parents went through an economic hardship and lost their house. And this time, Richard was still having troubling behaviors. Uh, Richard, at this time, I guess they were, his family had started renting an apartment or a house or something. Yeah. And this is when he started doing a little cooking of his own. Yeah, he had uh, something where he just he just started. Yeah, he just wanted to cook, and uh, but he he wasn't very good at it. So he ended up basically his mother said that he just ended up burning up all the pans and he'd make huge messes and leave stuff poured on the floor and wouldn't clean up nothing. And then about the same time, we got to where he would just turn up the heat as high as it go. Yeah, and sit and, down on the couch and then open up the windows and then strip off naked and lay on the couch. Yeah, and then I guess. Probably wasn't much of the family getting much sleep there. If he's staying up all night and cooking and sitting, burning up stuff, he's probably worried about burning up a house or something. Mm-hmm. And then he's naked on the couch, getting a little weird. Yep, and this was, this was when he was about 13 years old, and this yeah. was the time when Richard experienced one of his earliest breaks from reality. This when uh, he actually became convinced that he was a member of the James Younger gang. And this was, Dale, this was a group of outlaws, I guess, from the Jesse James era. Yeah, they rode with Jesse James. Yeah. Frank and James, uh, Frank and, uh, no, that's Frank and Jesse. Cole and something younger. Yeah, James Younger Gang. Yeah. Well, yeah. James is the Jesse James part. Yeah. yeah. James and Younger Gang. It's Cole and somebody, I can't remember. Yeah. Go watch Silverado. And he didn't even got a poster made of the gang and had it put in his room. So he thought he was reincarnated from. Yeah. The, okay. From that, one of them uh, members of the group. Well, hell. I was going to do that. I was going to go ahead and pick Jesse James instead of one of the well, sidekicks. Somebody you knew. Yeah, you don't want to be a sidekick. <laughs> but he repeatedly asked his mom to buy him a cowboy hat. I mean, do you want to be Mr. Rourke or Tattoo? Come on. Oh, Mr. Tattoo was pretty cool, though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, Tattoo was yeah. cool. Oh, well, yeah, it was cool, man. I mean, he got all the chicks and stuff. Yeah, they played. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, did uh, she buy him the hat? No. Oh. Yeah. And this is about the time he started high school, right? Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, it was about this time Richard started high school, and his parents had had enough of each other. They separated, and (laughs) (laughs) 
Richard's mom took the children to Los Angeles to live with relatives when Richard was in middle school of the ninth grade. Yeah, she just up and took them. Yep. <laughs> and then uh, Richard Sr. went down, I think, what, eight days later? About eight days later, yeah. Junior and brought him back. But uh, Beatrice and uh, Pamela stayed for like four months. Yep. But after four months, they came back home. Right. Now, back at school, Richard was known as Rick to his classmates. Slick Rick. Yep. And he seemed to have no trouble fitting in, I don't think. He was no. pretty popular, just like he was when he was little. Right. He kept himself well-groomed and was very popular. Yep. Even going on a few dates with girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think there were two girls uh, in particular he dated seriously. And one relationship he had with a girl, I, I'm almost thinking her name was Libby. Libby Christopher, I think. And it lasted for about a year. I think I'd read that. Hmm. And but both of these relationships would come to an end with some embarrassing reasons. Yeah, so well, actually, one embarrassing reason. Yeah. Now he was attracted to women. I was just gonna say uh, an embarrassing reason popped up, but I guess it didn't. No. <laughs> yeah, he was attracted to women, but yeah. when it came down to actually being intimate with them, um, he couldn't express his attraction. But much. Yeah, I miss being nice, but he couldn't maintain an erection. Right. Yeah, he had a little bit of ED going on. So back in the 60s, you know, they just didn't have stuff for this, you know. No. Yeah. And this is when he's 15 or 16, too. It's not like he's yeah. 65. Yeah. So. And Richard seemed to be pretty humiliated by this. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. It'd be crushing, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. And he was, it seemed to be he was very underweight and impotent. And he began to feel weak and broken. I think his, you know, his, him having ED became a point of obsession for him. Oh, yeah. And almost like a, it just got into his head and it just it bothered him a lot. I think that was one of the, the main things that, you know, sort of turned him at this point. Yeah. I mean, he had some bad stuff happen already, but damn. But now, <laughs> now, Dale, in Richard's mind, his ED was caused by a lack of blood. Yeah, I've heard that in a couple couple places i'm not sure that's completely yep. true but it would make sense i guess in, yep. the, in his mind yeah but now his reasoning was the only s was well of course he's probably this about time for biology class and all that mess and so i'm sure that's what they were telling him and that's where for first thing he thought well yeah yeah but that's yeah, I guess i must he, be low <laughs> he didn't he didn't research it too well because he thought he needed to consume blood of animals because hmm. he had a lack of blood yeah I don't know what was going through his mind and at this point. But now we got to keep in mind, too, that when Richard was in school, he didn't, his grades weren't that great. He made C's, D's, and F's. Yeah. He just did just enough to get by, just I guess. Yeah, probably on purpose. Yeah, just to what he needed to do. Yeah. And then when all that stuff happened with the, the ED and all that, and he kind of just, you know, he's got in trouble for some drugs. I wonder if he just started trying all that stuff out, too. To Could have been. Of course, it was the '60s, so a lot of drugs, a lot of drugs going around at parties. Yeah. A lot of drugs and probably easy accessible to, to a lot of drugs. Yep, and he was still popular in school and enough enough popular to be invited to parties still. Yeah, and but he began to drink. Right, and I think it was at one party he ended up drinking too much, and his behavior got erratic, and he was running down the street screaming and making noises that nobody could understand, and one of his friends. I guess they got concerned and took him home. But Richard finally confided in him that, you know, about his impotence. 
and it was, I guess, taking an even more deeper toll on him than he let on. I'm sure. And then the sophomore year, he got in trouble for he got arrested for marijuana. Yep. So things are starting to unravel here. Yep. He, he got taken LSD and amphetamines. Mm-hmm. He was just dabbling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But then, even though he had the crappy grades, he did uh, enroll in uh, American River College in in uh, 1968. Mm-hmm. And then once he got into school, he maintained as a, a C average, so he's doing better actually in college than he did in high school. And then, but he he was still doing drugs, and then that's finally when he decided uh, to see a psychiatrist to see if he could help him with his his erectile dysfunction. Yeah. But like you said, in the 60s, there wasn't a whole lot they could do for it. No. Basically, just told him it was probably from some suppressed anger or some other kind of mental illness. I'm sure that's what he wanted to hear. Yeah, he didn't want to hear that at all. Mm. And this psychiatrist, that now they even suspected this, Richard was mentally ill, but not so much that he needed an intervention. And ultimately, this was, was no help to Richard at all, who still believed that his body was low on blood. And pretty much as time went on, he suffered quietly, he grew his hair long, and began to neglect his hygiene. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't take a bath and... He just very disheveled. Now, is this whole time, is he still killing cats and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. Or do we know? Yeah, it's assumed that he was. Okay. And he lived in filth and began to withdraw more and more from other people. And his friends stopped coming by his house. I guess he was known as Stinky then, I guess. Is this why he's in college yet? Yep. Okay. And his father was worried about him, and his mother, she thought nothing of his looks. She didn't even really care, I don't think. And she thought, you know, it's the 60s, it's the hippies. Right. And I guess about this time is when he decided he was going to take a year off from, from college. Yeah. And, well, I think he, what did he tell the college? He was just going to take a – he didn't say I'm going to take a year off. He just, he just quit going, I guess. Yeah. So they kicked him out of college. Instead of going home, he ended up on the front lawn of uh, some friends. Well, it wasn't really friends. It was just uh, these people with – Looked out the, their uh, the door one day, and this guy's sitting out in the grass. And they go out and talk to him, and end up moving in with them mm-hmm. in a small apartment. Was it an apartment, or was it a house? It was a house. Yeah. yeah, they all rented together, and then that's when his paranoia started jacking up a lot. He'd go in and board up his room, board up the door of his room. They, they thought people were trying to get him or something, didn't he? Yeah, he said he even uh, went in the back of his closet and knocked a wall out so he'd have another way to get in, so nobody could sneak up on him. Yep. So he's really, and he was still staying high all the time. Said he would uh, just do whatever he wanted to. He'd come out, come out of his room, walk around naked. And even if they had company here, if they didn't, it didn't, it didn't matter. matter. Yeah. You know, he's doing some weird stuff. So they kind of figured that you know I don't, I don't believe this is going to work out because he wouldn't take a bath, he wouldn't brush his teeth, he's nasty, he's walking around naked, smoking dope all the time. And uh, that's when they said they was going to ask him to move out. And he refused. Yeah. So he's like, okay. So they packed up their shit and they left. So he, he couldn't pay the rent then. Right. So then he had to move out. Yeah. He, he had to go back and back to the parents' house, I guess. Yeah. Back to live with his mama. Back to the rents. Yep. And it was shortly after this, I think it was a year later, that uh, Richard's parents separated. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was 1972. May of 72. And then yeah. on, in November of 72, when Richard was 22. His parents finally, they finalized divorce, and he was maintained, well, he maintained his time between father and mother. Right. So he was just going back and forth. And he went on a, a journey, like a solitary journey, to Utah and was arrested and put in jail for a traffic violation. 
Yeah. He went up there for a while, I think. You know, he was already having problems because he didn't have no money. He wouldn't work. And what he did, he didn't keep a job for long. He, all he did was kept uh, rounding up traffic tickets, and he kept driving, kept rounding up traffic tickets. Then he went on this trip, and he got caught with more traffic tickets. And then uh, I think they impounded his car. I think he had his dogs with him stuff. They put his dogs in the shelter and locked yeah. him up. And, and then uh, I think his mom or whatever had to go get him and get his car back and pay all his fines. It was like five hundred dollars yeah. in fines or something to get him out which was a shit ton then but i yeah. think after this is when he really starts getting ramping say, up just a little bit more. yeah i don't want to say weird but yeah ramping up because he started saying that he thought the cops done something to him yeah you know either they had given him something or they had fixated him or they had done he kept just saying that they had done something to him and he could feel his body was different they had done something to him yeah he seemed to have a little bit of schizophrenia going on yeah, at this point starting to break out pretty yep. strong yeah it been also reported about this time that he felt that he had a a lack of vitamin c yeah and he reportedly pressed whole oranges to his skin around his forehead and be- he believed that his brain would absorb the nutrient nutrients directly like you know through osmosis yeah i guess after that return from the police station that's how he's gonna get it fixed yeah and one of his strangest and most powerful delusions involved his skull he he actually felt that his cranial bones had split apart and began to shift beneath his skin mm. like you know changes into pieces like a kind of like a, a, a jigsaw puzzle in a way right and he even shaved his head to try to see their movements so yeah he was going through some tough stuff in april of 1973 dale he was attending a friend's apartment party and Richard was caught fondling a girl and then was asked to leave. I'm guessing. Yeah. And after his return to his apartment, the cops arrived to escort him out. And yeah, he, Well, he left and then he came back. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, that's when, uh, you know, they called the cops. And when the cops come in to escort him out, they grabbed him up and a gun fell out of his belt. Yeah, twenty two caliber. Right. So they took him to jail and his father come bailed him out again. Yep. But after this, in about the next month, I think they were going to send him off to live with his grandmother for a while. Yeah, she lived in Los Angeles. Right. And he continued to complain of false head injuries and other illnesses. And just a few months later, she couldn't tolerate him. No, she said, you know, sometimes she would come home. Said they didn't even talk a lot, you know. He was still the same way. He had weird habits and non-grooming and all this stuff. And said sometimes she would come home and he'd be standing on his head in the corner. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to get the blood to go back in my head to because there's all these headaches. You yeah, so he thought he could could uh, fix them. And you know, all this time, you know, I guess it was because of his ED, he thought he had low blood. Yeah, so he didn't have enough to do everything at one time. I guess. Yeah, I guess like not having enough RAM in your computer, you just you can't run everything at one time. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's what he was thinking. He couldn't RAM. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I guess he didn't have enough juice to make it all run <laughs> okay his batteries were low yeah, they were all right enough of that yeah now it was still he kept seeing doctors for his head injuries and stomach aches and he also seen a, seen a neurologist who concluded he had a psychic disturbance of major proportions yeah a neurologist yeah this was in 73 so you know it's kind of showing that 
he's not afraid to go to a doctor. He just goes and tells them some crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> you know, when you when you come in and you shave your head and you tell them your skull's coming apart and moving around and you shave your head so you can sit and look in the mirror and watch it and see what's going, what's going on. You got some, stuff, you got some bad stuff going yeah, on. Yeah, it's some serious, what was it, epic proportion? Yeah, epic. Major pro- Major proportions. Yes. yes, and finally in December of 73, this is when he entered the – American River Hospital. This was in Sacramento. And he told doctors and nurses someone had stolen his pulmonary artery. Man, that sucks when that happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All his blood flow had stopped. Yep. And he was admitted to the psychiatric ward. And yet his mother took well, him out later. Yeah. So he should have just left him in there. Should have just left him in there, man. Let him help him. I mean, yeah. my goodness. I know this is the 60s, and there was probably not very much they were doing, but besides giving them some kind of strong drugs or something. But, but his mo- mother and father were just convinced that he was using drugs. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure he was. Yeah, but it didn't help with him being a little bit schizophrenic. No, no. They probably just multiplied it. And in 1976, when Richard was about 25, he was hospitalized at Beverly Manor, and he was committed as a schizophrenic suffering from somatic delusions right and he's he still teetered back and forth between his mother and father's house and at about this time he went on welfare to receive extra spending money so is this after he got out of the hospital i guess yes i think it's about this time he got in a, a pretty bad argument with his mother yeah they had gotten into it and in, uh about something and i'm not sure it was you know because he went from just being hard to get along with to, to kind of violent and she was afraid of him and uh, they got into it, and she picked up the phone because she was going to call the cops, and he just jerked the phone out of her hand and smacked her in the head with it. Knocked, knocked her down. Her down. Yeah. But uh, it was said it was pretty wild, dude, because she actually did get the number completed before before he'd done that. So the cops came, but he'd already ran because he, he realized that the phone call went through. Yep. And just to remind everybody, you know, all this time, Richard was still killing animals and stuff right. and consuming blood. Yeah, because when he got out of that hospital – they got him an apartment that was on his own. When he got out of Beverly Manor, you know, and they got him an apartment on his own, right? Yeah, because he couldn't get along with them. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, once they got out of Beverly Manor, and uh, I guess they had got him on some medication and stuff, but I guess it didn't matter if she just smacked his mom to the floor or whatever. But uh, Yeah, he couldn't live with them at all. So they got him his own apartment to get him out, and then they'd help him pay rent or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And this was when, um, you know, he, when he was in his own apartment, his father came to see him and he found richard very ill well he'd went to see him the day before you know because his father didn't want him to just basically be alone all the time so he would go by pretty pretty regularly and uh visit him and they had went over there or he had went over there the night before and uh, they had played chess and some other stuff and didn't seem nothing out of the ordinary except that the house is wrecked and pretty raunchy but uh, he didn't notice there were some rabbits around and wondering what was going on. And uh, Richard had been going to a farm, a local farm, and buying rabbits. And he asked him what the rabbits for, and he said he was eating the rabbits. Yeah. But he said, you know, whatever, you know, they're, I guess they're used to him saying crazy stuff and whatever. But nothing really out of the ordinary happened. So that night he left. Well, the next morning, or the next day, I'm not sure what the timetable was, he decided he'd go back and check on him again. And that's when he come in and knocked on the door and uh, he wouldn't answer. So he went in and then found him extremely ill. Yeah, and he'd uh, actually found that Richard had injected himself 
with rabbit's blood. Yeah. So he got blood poisoning. Idiot. Yeah. I guess because he, he figured that his blood was low, like we said. Yeah, so he's filling up. Mm-hmm. So they took him to the hospital, and he told... Back to the American River Hospital. Yes. And uh, they had, he had told the doctors that actually what happened is he had eaten a rabbit that had battery acid in his stomach. Yes. <laughs> so I'm sure that's that goes over a little better than I've been injecting rabbit blood into my veins, but... So he was buying these rabbits, and he was killing them and drinking their blood or injecting their blood or both. Mm-hmm. And, well, actually, what he was really doing is he was injecting the blood, and he was drinking the blood, and he was ripping out their entrails and stomachs and intestines and putting them in a blender and making sludge, uh, slushies and, and drinking them. Yep. So told you it's going to get bad. Yeah, it's, it's going to get a lot worse. Though. Yeah. This is just the beginning. Yep. But he... See, he got escaped from the American River Hospital after doctors wouldn't consent to releasing him. And they considered him a danger to others. Um, they was right. And that's in air quotes. <laughs> yep. And the next day, transferred from American River Hospital to an extended care mental hospital. And Richard believed he was there for food poisoning. And housekeepers continued to find dead birds outside of his window. Yeah, he was mad. You know, he said that, uh, I don't know why I'm in a, a mental institution or, I'm, you know, I'm, here, I'm just here for, for food poisoning because I ate a bad rabbit. But he was catching dead, he was catching birds outside of his window. Yeah. And eating eating the birds. Yeah. So he found him with his, he said his face and shirt covered in blood where he had tore the bird's head off and just poured it all over him. And they asked him what happened. He said he cut himself shaving. Hmm. <laughs> but I have a have a gallon of blood down your shirt. Oh, right. And it was also rumored that he had got a hold of syringes while in this hospital as well and was taking blood from the dogs that they had in there that was, uh, what do you call them? Like the therapy dogs. Therapy dogs, yeah. That they had, that, uh, the therapy dogs, he would uh, stick the needle in them and draw blood from them and inject them himself with the dog's blood too. Yeah. Man, he's crazy. He's obsessed. Yes. Crazy is, yes. <laughs> Convinced he didn't have enough blood. And he was getting a plenty. Yep. But in September of 76, he was released from the mental hospital with the same diagnosis of paranoid schizophrenia. Right. And Richard moved into his own apartment, and his parents continued to pay for bills and his groceries. Right. So they were t- they were keeping him up. Now at this point, they had given him some some major drugs, and he was starting to get a lot better. As far as his uh, what he was doing now, getting a lot better in nineteen seventy six was on some major drugs. Like basically, his mom said he was almost like a zombie. Yeah, you know, and he was just and she didn't like that. Zoned out. Yep. It's better to have him as a zombie than a vampire. Yeah. So the court ordered a uh, conservatorship. You know, when he got out, they were to look after him, make sure his bills were paid, buy him his groceries and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. she would go by and see him, you know. And even though he was, you know, he was easy to, to be around, she just couldn't stand the fact that he was like a zombie. So she took it on her own to start weaning him off this medicine. Yeah. Another brilliant move by the mother. So, you know what happens as soon as he gets weaned off a little bit and he's back to full strength. His uh, fascination with blood comes back again. With a vengeance. Yep. Yep. And he begins capturing, killing small animals again. And like I said, he'd eat them raw or blend their organs. And buying dogs. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah. So, anyway, I guess. Uh, and then in 76, the conservatorship expires, basically. So he's on his own. Mm-hmm. You know, all the all the chains are off, and he's just going to be able to do what he wants. Now, it was in June of 77. This is when Richard's mother, she helped him plan and gave him $1,450 for a trip to Washington. And he stayed there for about three weeks and bought a 1966 Ford Ranchero wagon. It looks like an El Camino. Right, but it's a Ford. Yep, and he bought it for $800 from a man in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. This kind of weird. They live in Sacramento. How far is it to Colorado to buy a car to go to Washington? It's pretty good ways. <laughs> pretty good ways. On August the 3rd of 1977, when Richard was 27, police officers of the Bureau of Indian Affairs found Richard's Ford Ranchero near Pyramid Lake Reservation in Nevada. And they police found a 22 caliber and a 30-30 rifle and had taken the liver from a cow and smeared blood all over his naked body. Yeah, said they were there. Well, actually, they had come up on the, the car. A guy had seen the the ranchero it got stuck in the sand and uh he come up on it after richard had abandoned the car went down through the woods and said he, he thought he had a dog with him but he wasn't sure and uh when he walked up and looked inside his car that's when he saw the, the rifles and blood all over and there was a bucket with a liver in it and all that stuff and so he called the the bureau of indian affairs when when they came out they were like oh shit you know and seen this this big gory mess wondering what was going on and started got to looking around and then they seen him, you know, was like a mile, three-quarter mile, standing off. They were looking in binoculars out there, and he was blood-covered and naked. Mm-hmm. So they had to go, and uh, he took off running, but they run him down and caught him. Yeah. They never did see the dog again, so I don't know what happened to it. But here's another time when they got him, but they they did check the blood and the liver, and it was uh, come from a cow. So, yeah. so apparently he had, he had killed a cow. So I guess rabbits and dogs wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. He's moving on up. He's moving on up. Yeah. And he's going to continue to move on up. Yep. And so, but anyway, they didn't, U.S. Attorney didn't really see much they could prosecute him for besides, you know, maybe um, being naked. What do you go? Uh, obscene. What is it? Anyway, they, they decided that there wasn't nothing. I mean, the blood was from an animal, you know, and just, I guess the guns were his and you know, the truck was his. And then, so they decided they didn't want to prosecute, and he was just basically free to go. So you mean you're telling me you can actually walk out in public with animal blood on you, and you're you're fine? I reckon. Who knew? On Indian land in 1977. Who knew? You probably was like, well, we're not going to keep this guy. <laughs> let yeah, him go let back him home. Go. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah. don't need him here. And I think, uh, actually, when he called his mom, to come get him and, you know, tell him what the deal was. And then his dad actually come to pick him up. And he said yeah, it was just a big understanding that uh, he had accidentally spilled some rabbit blood on him. And it was just a misunderstanding. Yep. And it's like, all's good. And so they take him home. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not the, oh, really? Rabbit blood? Mm, yeah, that happens to me every day. My yep. bad. <laughs> now, it was just a little bit later that year, October to November, this when he purchased and stole some dogs. And he even got to... And Sarah McLaughlin would be fucking all yeah. the hell on this. Yeah, and he got to calling and harassing the families of a dog he had stolen. Yeah. Well, you know, he bought a couple of dogs from the SPCA Yeah, for pretty cheap, 15 bucks or whatever. And uh, I guess he'd take him home and kill them, 
blended and blended and blooded and whatever. And then uh, I think he had bought another one. Uh, somebody else had a dog and that he bought for like $25. He tried to talk them down and they wouldn't, but he bought it anyway. But he just didn't have the money to keep us up. So he stole the neighbor's dog. And when he seen the ad in the paper about the, the missing dog, he actually called him and, and yeah. harassed him about it. You know, of course, That's a sick individual, man. There's no caller ID or nothing, so they don't know who's calling. And when the guy, the dad got on the phone and demanded to find out who this is, he just hung up, you know. Yep. But yeah, that's pretty bad. Yep. And he'd also, one of his other neighbors was uh, selling lab puppies for 10 bucks a piece. So he went over there and acted like he was a, a breeder, but the guy noticed it. He never did check the sex of the dogs. We just bought three of them and took them. Mm-hmm. And then later he found them dead on his yard, you know, laying in his yard. So yep. he had taken them and used them for what he wanted and threw them back out there. Yep. So he he don't really give a shit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not trying to hide much. And I, I'd even read and heard that he looked at animals like they were just machines for blood for him. Yeah. Yeah, right. rabbits and uh, cats and dogs, they just provided him blood. Just another bag of blood. Yep. Mm. Now, it was in December of that same year of 77, Richard buys a 22 caliber semi-automatic pistol for about 70 bucks cash. But he had to, I guess, he had a permit or uh, had to get a... Well, he, he would, they said he had gotten a... It was kind of weird because that's the first time I've seen the uh, what he gave for the gun because it said he had got him a job at a paint store. But it only lasts like 10 days. He yeah. said he had saved up his money on his paychecks. I'm like, how many damn paychecks you get for 10 days? But he had saved up, you know, the money that he made, and he went and bought that gun. He didn't have to have a permit or anything. All they did, they asked him, has he ever been into a mental institution? And he said no. So they said, okay, and sold him the gun. Yeah. But he couldn't take it right then. He did have to wait, you know. But mm-hmm. so, so it was a waiting period, but, yeah, it just – long as you say no, buddy, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. Sign yeah. here. Now, it was sometime, Dale, around the 1st of December. Richard got to driving around neighborhoods and just with this pistol he had bought, just shooting into random houses. Yep. And it was one house he went by, he shot into, and it just, the woman's name was Mrs. Polinsky. Right. She and, was uh, standing there doing her dishes. Yep. Looking when, out the window. Yeah, when she heard something buzz by her head. Yep. And she had realized later that a bullet had pierced through the bun in her hair. Yep. Came and through the well. I guess she realized when the window busted. <laughs> but, you know, shot through the window, went right through her hair. Yep. And lodged in the, in the wall behind her. Yeah. So she was that close. Yep. To being the, his first human victim. Yep. So he had, he had got that pistol to ramp up his. Yep his needs so you know it's kind of weird you know to me because you know at that party he had a gun and then when they uh when his car got stuck he had a car full of guns but then he had to go buy another gun maybe, yeah you reckon maybe they took his guns they could have been yeah maybe that, that makes sense yep. but you know he, he went in and told him you know he hadn't been nowhere or whatever or hadn't been in no institution and waited whatever it was two or three weeks and got his as soon as he got his gun started riding around yeah his wrench yep Yep, she was very lucky. Yep, and we're going to stop here on this episode, and this will be the end of part one, because, Dale, we get into part two, it's going to get even worse. Yeah. And Richard is really going to ramp up his his killing spree uh, from going 
from animals like birds, rabbits, cats, and dogs to cows. Yeah, and to humans. To humans. Yeah, and it's going to get worse. Yeah, way worse. So you know, we we'll just warn everybody before part two that you know his his antics are going to get bad. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll have part two out next week, bud. All right, Dan. All right. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.